What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Creating Madness. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Ethan Carboni. Ethan, what's going on? Not much. How are you, John? Doing great. Here with a special guest we have for another interview. I'm here with Hondo Carpenter. He covers the Michigan State Spartans, which we'll be talking about today, as well as the Las Vegas Raiders. So if you're interested in the Raiders, I'd also suggest checking out. Hondo, how are you doing? Good, Johnny and Ethan. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yes, sir. Hondo. Um, before we get started with what everything we do, we just want to give you time to plug anything you want to Twitter, Instagram, special articles you're writing soon. So if you have anything to say, let's hear it. Nothing. You can check us out at, uh, my email is at Hondo Carpenter, H-O-N-D-O. I mean, my Twitter at Hondo Carpenter, H-O-N-D-O, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R. I do radio shows and television across the country. I have a radio show here in Vegas and Obviously, I had a radio show for many, many years in Michigan and uh, love covering college basketball. So thanks for having me on the program, guys. No problem. All right, uh, Ethan, you want to run through our shows just real quickly? Uh, real quick, YouTube Creating Madness, Twitter at ATR Madness. Let's hop right into this. Sounds great. All right, let's get started quickly. Uh, so first question, just kind of breaking the ice here a little bit for uh, the viewers. So, why are you a Spartan Mega fan? You said you're based in Las Vegas right now. I know you said you had a, a Raiders show in Michigan. Um, why are you a Spartans fan? What's the origin story here? Well, first of all, I didn't have a Raiders show in Michigan. I covered the Big Ten. Number two, I'm not a fan. To be a journalist, um, you know, it's best to cover teams you're not a fan of. Um, and it's, it's just a way of being able to, you know, in American journalism today, especially with the younger generation coming up. We see a lot of people that think my job is to indoctrinate you to how I feel. And that's not what journalism is. My job is to tell you the truth and then allow people, if you do your job and tell the truth, um, to assimilate the information and come up with their own opinions. Um, Tom Izzo is one of my very best friends in all the world. I certainly have an affinity for Michigan State. I cover the Raiders. I know all the players, know the coaches, know the owner. I, you know, I certainly have, you know, think fondly of them, consider many of them my friends, but I don't root for teams. That's not the way it works for me. Um, it's not the way it works for a good journalist. Now it does, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go also and say this. I, I, when you cover players and you get to know their families and get to know them, it is impossible to not draw opinions on them and what you think. I have become friends with many of the people I covered, but I don't let myself cross into fandom. I, that's not a smart place to be. Um, but at the same time, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm not going to get into politics. You guys have a great college basketball podcast. We'll keep it there. But I'll, you, when, I, when you can listen to two different radio broadcasts or read two different articles, and one of them is by, uh, you know, person who primarily covers one team and one primarily covers the other and you get information that isn't germane with the other then somebody didn't do their job and a good writer and a good television and radio journalist is going to write the story factually now when you want when you have an opinion piece you can give an opinion piece so for example i really like john gruden he's a great man a great coach and uh, certainly, in my opinion, shouldn't have said some of the things that he said in his emails. And so when he did, I had to cover that. That's not being a, a hater or a homer. You just tell the facts. And 
I think, you know, we have built our nation into a very dangerous corner of tribalism. And what I mean by that is, is we now have radio and television and print media for conservatives and radio and print and, and television media uh, for liberals. And there's not a lot of people that just go get their information. We have everybody trying to tell us what we think. Well, that's because the news media and sports journalism does it as well comes from a standpoint of almost treating our readers and our listeners like they're stupid. And I totally disagree with that. I think some of the smartest people in the world are sports fans. They understand the game. They have more access now to Hall of Fame coaches and players, breaking down game tape, explaining things. I've never once thought the person who's reading my article, listening to me on a radio or a podcast or watching on television is an idiot. I always approach it as they're extremely smart. And I'm not going to talk condescending with them. They don't need me to tell them what to think. They need me to give them the facts. So when you say a being a fan, that makes me cringe a little bit because I don't think that's where good journalism comes from. And it doesn't mean you can't have, like, for example, I have friends that play in almost every NFL team. I have friends that play on multiple NBA teams, multiple National Hockey League teams. And so do I want my friends to do well? Absolutely, I do. And do I care about them as people? Absolutely, I do. But I'm not writing about the fan from a fan standpoint. I hope that answers your question, Johnny. That probably answers – that was probably the single most thorough answer to a question I we've received on the show. That was really insightful in a lot of ways. You mentioned that, – that's the first time I've heard anybody we've covered who covers a team or multiple teams say they're not a fan of the team. Uh, that's really exciting to hear after you explain that because, you know, it seems like you give – a take without any bias or you, at least your best attempt at doing so. And that's really optimistic to see since again, as you were saying, there's not a lot of people who pride themselves on real journalism anymore. So that's really, really nice to hear. And I'm glad you gave that answer because that's, that's really nice to hear. But, well, um, I can tell you, I can tell you this gentlemen, there is a lot of um, us who have done it a long time, who've been successful over the long haul. Um, and that's kind of the road of where, you know, those those there are very few jobs available at the top of the journalism industry that are top tier jobs. I'm fortunate in that I have one of those. And I don't and those jobs don't go to fanboys. They go to people who cover their teams. And I'll give you an example. Years ago, I was covering Michigan State and it was when Mark D'Antonio had the Michigan State football team on a roll. And several Michigan media who were fans, not necessarily, I mean, they had professional jobs, but they were fans, would always say to me, that's the Michigan slappy, the Michigan State slappy, excuse me. The problem was there was literally very, there was nothing going on bad. Mark D'Antonio had the Spartans on a roll. You may remember the year before the college football playoff, he takes the Spartans out to Pasadena that win the Rose Bowl. Many people believed had the playoff been that year, he would have beaten Jameis Winston and won the, the, the national championship. The next year, I mean, they're playing Alabama in the first playoff. They're beating uh, Baylor in a Cotton Bowl a couple of years later. And a lot of people, well, the problem was, is I didn't have to create controversy. Everything was going good. And I was very close friends with Mark D'Antonio. And then you may remember at the end of his tenure, I'm sure you'll remember this. If not, you can Google it and go see it on YouTube. 
Um, Mark D'Antonio, things were slipping for the Spartans. And um, he decided not to fire any of his staff when he, when I believe he needed to. And he chose to reassign them. And Michigan State, he was convinced that ne next year he was coming back, that they were a Big Ten championship team. I was not convinced of that. He was. And so I wrote at the time, Mark D'Antonio has done so much at Michigan State. He deserves to do whatever he wants, but I disagree. So several weeks into the season, they go out to Wisconsin and play in Madison, and they get their butts handed to them by the um, Badgers. At that point, I uh, asked Mark D'Antonio after the game, now that you're eliminated from Big Ten contention and you thought you had a Big Ten championship team, was it a mistake to you know not remove any staff? in which he made it very clear he did not like the answer. I think, I don't remember now, I think he said it was a dumb question or a damn dumb question. You can go Google it. it was, I mean, I was on Sports Center and everything else. And the point of the matter was, is all the people who were then calling me a slappy now said, oh, he hates Michigan State now because I asked a tough question. Well, the problem is, is when things were good, it's not my job to create controversy. But when things are bad, it is my job to ask the tough questions. And I hope that makes it even clearer to you um, explaining the point to your first answer, your first question, Johnny. Uh, that that explains everything extremely well. Uh, thank you for that answer so much. But uh, Ethan, I think you had a question loaded up. Let's hear it. Yeah, uh, Hondo, I kind of wanted to go more into the Michigan State for basketball side of things with Tom Izzo saying today, or at least being quoted saying that the transfer portal is hard on the game. Do you agree with it? And where do you think Izzo comes from with this? Well, first of all, Tom Izzo is a dear friend of mine. I love Tom. I think the world of him. I think he's one of the best coaches. And I think, I think right now he is the best coach in all of college basketball. Uh, I agree with him. I think it's absolutely bad for basketball, but I'm going to go a step farther. I think it's absolutely right. And I want to explain, gentlemen, you know, since they they did tuition and scholarship, we call it grant and aid, everything's changed except what the student athlete got. Coaches now make tens of millions. They're allowed to force their players to wear shoes that they're paid for them to wear. They're paid millions by the school. The, coach, the, the schools make hundreds of millions. The conferences make a billion and along with the NCAA, they're, they're making billions. And the only thing that changed was the players. And then all of a sudden, you see coaches who are able to go recruit kids, get them to commit, and then they leave a couple days later for another job, and the recruit is stuck. Now, the NCAA would lie, and they would say, well, the players shouldn't be committing to a school. They should be committing, I mean, to a coach. They should be committing to the school. But let me tell you two young people something that if you learn this and all of your listeners li who listen, listen, uh, learn this, you'll all be better fans and journalists. And that's this. I have learned over my years that if the NCAA is talking, they're probably being disingenuous. I have less faith, faith in the NCAA than I do Congress. They need to literally blow the NCAA up. The power five schools need to leave and go start their own thing. The NCAA is bad for college, 
and it's bad, in my opinion, for athletes. It's disingenuous. But let me go farther if you don't mind. And again, for anyone listening, the views expressed by me don't necessarily affect Ethan or Johnny. I'm the old man here, but they do, I think, are absolutely correct. Um, that We have a transfer portal because coaches can leave whenever they want. They can sit players on the bench who they don't like, yet they won't. You know, it used to be in the NCAA, and you young kids don't even remember this, that if you wanted to leave, the coaches could tell you where you could go. Well, screw you. I don't get a vote in where you get to go, coach, if you want to leave. Screw you. So because of the NCAA's moronic, idiotic, and in what I believe was deceptive rulings, we now have a transfer portal. And I think it's it's what's right, but I think it's absolutely destroying the game of basketball. Let me give you a couple of quick points. I remember a time that, that Tom Izzo was recruiting a player. And this particular player, Tom Izzo told him, if you come here, this is the position you're going to play. And the young man said, but yeah, school XYZ, and he was a very high-profile athlete, is telling me I can play wherever I want. Tom Izzo explained to that player, listen, I compete against them all the time. I played them in the tournament. You're not going to play that position there. They're simply telling you that so that you'll go there, and then once you're committed, they're going to make you play another position. So the player didn't believe Izzo, went to the other school, and guess what? He's on campus three days, and he was informed he changed his position. Let me give you another example. I know a player that was being recruited by a Big Ten school. Same situation. One school was telling him the position that he really needed to play. The other told him the position he wanted to play. So first day, all the players are on campus. I see the coach, and I said, Coach, are you really going to play XYZ player at this position? And by the way, this was not Tom Izzo. And he looked at me and he goes, well... He's at that position till his dad leaves. Wow. And That's so powerful. I need you to understand that it's bad for basketball. But it's 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 necessary because of the evil idiocy and ignorance that has been around the game and the way players have been mistreated. Now, let me if you don't time, I know we're 15 minutes in. Do we have a couple time for a couple of quick examples? Yes, sir. Okay. Let me give you some great stories because I believe it's one thing to tell people my opinion. It's another to give them real life stories. Tom Izzo demands his kids go to class. I have had players tell me they wanted to go to Michigan State, but went to another school because Coach Izzo told them you have to go to class here. And other schools told them they didn't. I've actually had them tell me that to my face. Okay. So kids would come, and why has Tom Izzo had so much success? Because he he got these players in a position to succeed because he tells them the truth, so he gets a different kind of player. You know, what I always tell people is this. I don't care about how many first-round draft picks a school has. How many of those first-round draft picks get second money, second contract money, because that's where generational wealth is made. And if you look, let me give you an example. Tom Izzo had a player by the name of Miles Bridges who's tearing up the NBA right now. I love Miles. 
Miles is one of the finest young people I know. He's a friend. I love him dearly. So Miles Bridges wanted to come back for another year at Michigan State. And there were schools recruiting against Tom Izzo because Miles Bridges didn't want to leave college. He had not grown up wealthy. So even though he wasn't wealthy in school, he loved going to class. He loved his professors. He loved studying. He loved playing for Tom Izzo. He loved his teammates. And when Miles made the decision to come back, I believe it made Miles a better player. But it hurt Michigan State in recruiting because we have all these, nobody's telling these kids the truth. And guess what? Some kids mentally are not prepared to go into the NBA to become a multimillionaire to handle the money and all that goes around it. Now, I'm not going to name a player, but I know a guy who went to the pros who stayed at Michigan State a little bit and went and had a good career. But after a certain year in his schooling, everyone was talking about going. And the kid told me, he goes, I don't even know how to open a bank account. I don't know how to write a check. He goes, I'm sticking around. I got stuff to learn. Because Tom Izzo talked about that stuff with him. I know a player that wanted to stay at Michigan State. Wanted to stay. He was not mentally in a place that was good for him to go. But his family pushed him. We oh, They wanted the money. And so he went. He didn't get the second generational wealth contract. And because a lot of people don't tell people the truth, it hurts them. So now how does that apply to the transfer portal? Well, guess what? If I'm a kid and a coach tells you I'm going to play one position in recruiting and he lied to me, I'm out. I'm gone. If I'm a kid and I understand that I want to stay in school, but I can go to another school and get NIL money, I'm out. I'm gone. I'm going to tell you, I thought the best thing in the world that happened was Deion Sanders at Jackson State uh, signing the number one. I think he was a cornerback recruit at Jackson State this year. And of course, I, I believe it had everything to do with the NIL money. I'm glad that it's all on the table now. So places that used to lose. I, can, I wrote an article several years ago. Uh, for CBS Sports, and um, uh, it was for their 247 network, I believe, and um, about Tom Izzo. And, in, and basically the article was in, 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 in an era where college basketball is under attack, Tom Izzo stands tall. I had multiple players tell me that they didn't go to Michigan State because Tom Izzo wouldn't pay them. And they went to other school. And oh, by the way, these other schools ended up in recruiting scandals. But because he wouldn't cheat. I had one player, because he knew I was friends with Tom, say, man, you got to talk to Iz. And he goes, if he's willing to even match what these other schools are paying, I'll come there. And I'm like, first of all, it's not my job to go to Iz. But second of all, he's not going to pay you. So I love the transfer portal. If a kid feels like he's better than he is and a coach isn't doing him right, well, that coach has a right to go. That school has a right to fire the coach. Let the kid go. Is it bad for the game? Yes. But I'm also going to tell you this. It's, it's bad for the game because the game was mismanaged by the people who should have been smart enough to protect the game and the players. So when you don't protect the game and the players, this is what happens. Bad for the game, yes, but the right thing.
I know that's a long answer, Ethan. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna trying to treat you with the most respect I can and give you the best answer. Believe me, you're doing a great job. Thank you so much. I think John and I both agree with you with the whole we hate the NCAA and everything that they've done to run it. And also you mentioned some stuff about like players getting offered money. That's something that like we all mentally knew was happening, but you pretty much just confirmed every suspicion that every single college basketball fan could have. That that... What's out there. All you have to do is Google the stories. Right. And and all of it. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, I mean this with no disrespect. But there are people coaching in college basketball right now that if the NCAA was truly against cheating and some of them are winning big, they would not be coaching in the NCAA. But the NCAA proves it's disingenuous because these people are still coaching. And let me give you, if you don't mind, I got a great example. Can I give you one more? Please do. So... I know a player who grew up extremely poor. I am still very, very close to this player and to his parents. So I'm not going to name them because I don't want to embarrass them. But I mean very poor, very poor. His parents, his dad worked two jobs. His mom worked one job and didn't even get to go watch him play very little in college and never in the postseason because they didn't have the money and the dad worked two jobs to be able to send him spending money because the NCAA rules where he couldn't have a job. Now his university was selling his Jersey at, I think it was 125 bucks a pop and couldn't keep them in stock. They sold thousands of them. So they're making millions off this kid's Jersey. And so one day, um, my uh, family and I are driving to Thanksgiving, going by a particular campus. And my son said, Dad, I'd like to go see the campus. We drove by the campus. And we see this player. He's sitting on a park bench. And I said, hey, what are you doing? He said, well, it's Thanksgiving. And I, I, I didn't have the money to go home. And my parents can't come here. So I'm just going for a walk. I'm probably going to go get something off the McDonald's dollar menu. Guys, you're selling my jersey, making millions of dollars, and I don't get a cut? Are you kidding me? I mean, that is so disingenuous. You know, the NCAA used to have rules that you could give kids a bagel but not cream cheese. Give me a freaking break. That was an actual rule? That was an actual rule. Google it. Look it up. But, I mean, the point of the matter was is they continually, oh, but it's all about the student athletes. If it has anything to do with the student athletes, then why are they playing 9 o'clock games on the road and being expected to be in class the next day at 7 a.m.? Now, I want you to think about something, gentlemen, because Tom Izzo said that publicly. Let me ask you a question. If the NCAA is all about students, can you answer me this? They allegedly want the student in class. So they're playing on a Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. Let's just say it's Michigan State playing uh, Penn State at 9 o'clock, okay? Or let's say Rutgers, whatever, I don't care. 
So you fly in the night before because you have to be there the day before the, the, the day before. So you fly in on a Monday. So you're gonna hopefully get to class on Monday, but most schools know. And then you f- practice, you fly out. Then you have the game at nine o'clock at night. So the game's over 11:30. Let's say you get out of there at one. You get back to Michigan State at four. Got to go by the Breslin Center, drop your gear. You get home, 4.45, 3 o'clock. I mean, 5 o'clock. And I'm supposed to be in class at 7, and it's about me? If it's about me, then why are you making all the money and I'm playing at 9 o'clock, getting back at 6.30 and having to be in class at 7? I mean, again, they say it's all about the athlete, and it has nothing to do with the athlete. That is uh, some very insightful information to say the absolute minimum. Uh, well, to be honest with you, Ethan and I know people who play NCAA ball, football, basketball, baseball, you name it. Um, but it, we didn't even realize it was like this at all. And you just realize how hard it is, and how hard it is on kids or how hard it's been since, you know, the inception of big money college basketball. And it's, that's really sad to hear, honestly. As still, this is still happening. Um, but thank you for that answer. Again, that was just a really, really good answer. No problem. But I do have another question pertaining to Michigan State basketball. And sure. this is more about the team for next year. So Michigan State had a decent year this year, making it to the second round, um, losing to Duke, which was one of the one of my favorite games of the tournament, personally. And uh, we saw a lot of good players, but a lot of them were seniors. Marcus Bingham, Gabe Brown, um, out of the guys who are returning next year or supposedly returning next year, who do you think is going to be a breakout player or who do you think has big potential to be a breakout player? Well, okay. So let me just say this when you're talking about the Spartans, it is a great year for Michigan state. Whenever Tom Izzo returns and Tom Izzo is the number one person that you always want to pay attention to uh, about returning. So Tom Izzo being back, is always number one. Having said that, let me go over a couple of these guys with you and just share some thoughts with you um, about what I think is going to happen at Michigan State. You know, Tom Izzo is a guy that does things the right way. And so he's going to be developing players. And so you really need to keep an eye on, you know, who is Tom going to, how are guys going to develop? If you watch, I mean, look at Denzel Valentine, guys. You know, look at what that guy did. And, you know, all of a sudden people are like, oh, Tom Izzo didn't help him. Well, really? I think he's done good. How about Jaron Jackson Jr.? I mean, come on. Let me give you another name. You ready for another one, guys? How about my man, Xavier Tillman? Mm -hmm. Look at what Xavier's done. I mean, these are all guys that developed. These are all guys that are better off because they played for Tom Izzo. So now let's just dig in on the roster. Let's talk about the roster for a minute. I think a guy that's going to be fascinating to watch is, is you know, a guy that, that could do something really special. How about Tyson Walker? That name scares me a lot as an Illinois fan. Tell me why. <laughs> he nearly single-handedly brought Michigan State back into the game against Illinois. Yeah. I thought it was already, okay, Illinois has this. I'm safe. I don't need a heart attack. 
Tyson Walker comes and it's a close game again. Yep, I agree with you. So Tyson Walker's a name, but I'm going to give you some some guys I think that maybe aren't getting a lot of attention. You know, I I will be shocked if Max Christie isn't back. I'd like to hear what you guys think. I think Max Christie is a guy that can be a great player. I know that he's going to, you know, going to check things out a little bit, but uh, I, I'm not, I'm a guy that thinks Max Christie will end up being back. Your thoughts? Well, personally, I think if he leaves, that would be a disservice to him as a player. He has immense potential and he put us with decent stats this year, but in terms of being a powerful point guard and really running the team, I just don't think he has the skills yet to really put that on at the NBA level, which is obviously what he wants. And we've seen Izzo develop other point guards in the past. And so I think that if he stays, it'd be a lot better for him. But the question is, is does he know that as well? So I right. think it'd be more beneficial if he stays, but you know, I mean, I'm not Max Christie, so you don't know, but I think, I think more than likely he will stay. All right. So here's three guys, Maddie Sissoko, Malik Hall, and Julius Marble. Great guys. Great kids. It's really great kids. Those are all kids that I think have an opportunity to really do something special for Michigan State. I really like Julius Marble a lot. Um, I think the world of him. I love Malik Hall. Those are two just terrific young men. You guys are too young to appreciate this, but if you have anybody who's older that listens to your your show, those are the kind of guys you want your daughter to marry. Just, just top of the line, super people. So I like both of them. So hope that gives you a little bit of a foretaste of what I'm thinking for next year. That sounds great. And um, Julius Marble, I've known about him for years now. I mean, I'm from Texas originally. He grew up in Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he actually came to play at a high school very close to me many moons ago. And uh, I knew it was going to be special from the time I saw him absolutely dominating kids at the high school level. So I would not be surprised at all if he comes out and has a great year next year. So Definitely to be on the watch for him. But, Ethan, do you have uh, another question? Yep, and kind of going off the Christie one, I think we all assume that Christie returns. What's the ceiling for this Michigan State team, assuming Christie returns and no injuries and get a few transfers that will help out, not naming names, but like just plug-and-play players for transfers. With Christie returning, with having all that Michigan State has with Izzo returning, what's the ceiling for the Spartans next year? Well, I like Trey Holloman. He's a guy coming in I think is going to be a difference maker. And don't forget uh, Jackson Kohler is a guy, you know, he's coming in. Again, I he's coming in from California. That's a power forward type kid, big kid, 6'10". I think he's going to do a lot. But let me share this with you. You guys are too young to remember this, but when – Bobby, excuse me, but when uh, Bear Bryant was the coach at, at Alabama, everybody just thought Alabama was entitled to compete for national titles. When John Wooden was at UCLA, everybody just thought it's a given. And what happens is, is when you have iconic coaches, people get uh, used to stuff. So let me say this and keep this because you guys are a lot younger than me, but whenever Tom Izzo retires, you can pull this out of the archives. Michigan State is going to have a terrible time replacing Tom Izzo because every year that Tom Izzo's there, you can pencil them into the NCAA tournament. They're always there. They have one of the longest streaks in all of college basketball to the point where 
they go to the tournament and play two games and lose to Duke and people are disappointed and there's nothing wrong with being disappointed, but you know, they, they just expect Michigan state to, you know, this is guy who's has over his career. I don't believe anyone's gone to more final fours, including Krzyzewski than him. And people sometimes just think the final four is your destiny. So what do I expect from Michigan state? The same thing I do every year. They're going to compete for a Big Ten title, and they're going to make it to the NCAA tournament. And every year, and you guys can remember this, every year there's a time when everyone says, well, it's over. Izzo's streak's done. He's not going to the tournament this year. And every year it's usually to younger journalists. I say, hold on to your hats, kids. He's going to get them turned around. They're going to make the tournament, and every year they do. So what do I expect? Michigan State will make it to the tournament and be competitive for a Big Ten title. And I'm going to tell you something. When that is your floor every year, that's a hell of a floor, and it's why Tom Izzo's a Hall of Famer. Well, that's a very good explanation. I think on Ethan and I's behalf, I think we see Michigan State, if Max Christie stays, and depending on if Trey Holloman and Jackson Kohler live up to their potential, we see them as a second weekend candidate like they usually are. Um, and if they have good seating, we can see them going even farther. So that's definitely a very solid answer from a guy who clearly knows Michigan State basketball well. But that is all the time we have for today's episode. Thank you so much, Hondo, for hopping on. Uh, we will definitely be looking out for all the things you said, not only about this season, but just in college basketball in general, because you really enlightened us to what the world of college basketball is really like. And we can't thank you enough for that. Thanks for having me on guys. And let me just say this very quickly, if you don't mind, I am a fan of college basketball. I love it. I'm just been in it long enough to understand. I don't trust anything with the NCAA and I, I believe it's coming. And I, I, I believe this, I'll go a step farther. I believe it's going to come in you young men's lifetimes that the power five are going to break away from the NCAA. And when they do, it'll be a great day for college basketball. It'll be a great day for college athletes. And once they get away from the NCAA, uh, it'll just be a great day for everyone involved. So if you're a person of faith, pray and ask God that that gets happened. Cause I think it'll make everybody better. And if you're not, then just send well wishes you two young men, fine young men. Your parents have done a great job. I know you're young in this. I hope I was able to drop a little wisdom. Thanks for letting me be on your uh, broadcast. I appreciate it, young men. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, thank you so much for being here, Hondo. Ethan, you have anything else to say? Not much. Thank you, Hondo, for coming on. You guys can check out his Twitter, at Hondo Carpenter. He does a lot of great work. He's an incredible writer. Thank you, Hondo, so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. We will see you guys later this week. Have a great rest of your day.